I realized I don't have an intro. Uh, so let's give that a, a go. Um, this is highly improbable. It's a podcast about all the events that have happened in my life as I've realized that fortunately and unfortunately, I live a more interesting life than at least the people around me. Um, I've been told by a few people that I have had a bit more experiences, life experiences happen to me than the average person, which, like I said, is a double-edged sword because at the same time, I mean, like, I've had great things happen and I've learned a lot and, like, I've been through a lot and I've experienced a lot and I have a lot of great memories and great stories, Um, but... You know, on the other side, I've really struggled through them. Um, but most of the time, actually, has has been a struggle. And this year's, I think, the first year where I realized or learned how to ride the waves of life instead of drowning, because I definitely have been a weak swimmer this my entire life, um, metaphorically and literally. I should work on that. I think that swimming is actually like a great skill. I can swim. I just am not strong at it. Anyway, so that's what this podcast is about. My name is Shannon Hoffman. (laughs) That intro was not the best, but we're not going for the best. We're just going for it. You know, like what I create is just what it is. And it's not, I'm not comparing it to anything else. I don't really have a strong vision. I have a loose vision. I want to keep it loose because I don't want to be disappointed. Because the thing is, is that like, this should be fun. I just want to do this to have fun because a lot of the people in my life um, who even who I'm like close with, or even people who I've known for like a, a long time at this point are missing so much about my life. I haven't been able to catch up with them enough to really inform them about like what's really been going on because so much is always going on. It's like, you know, unless I talk to you every day or every week, you know, you're not really going to know because I can't, I don't have time or like effort or like, you know, it's just so hard. And I would say a majority of the people in my life, I don't talk to every week. We're really much more of like a friendly monthly chatting type of vibe which is totally fine I'm chill with that but I think that since I've been going through my entire life of kind of never been slowing down I've learned and I've changed a lot and so I think that if we were close at one point a few months ago or years ago you know definitely different (laughs) I am definitely different and I think that Informing people of where I've been, where I've come from, since it's so involved, (laughs) um, might be easier this way. So that's kind of another thing that I'm going or aiming towards with this podcast. It's not necessarily to get a whole bunch of listeners who are, are strangers and are just enthralled by my life, though obviously that would be cool and nice, but... I also really just want it to be kind of like a diary or way for like people in my life, like friends to catch up with me. Like, 
listen to my podcast to see what's going on because telling these stories like for fuck's sake if I like you know I'm sitting here for an hour talking okay am I supposed to do that with like everyone in my life that's one you know obviously a long time to sit and sit in front of somebody and talk and to like what control the entire conversation that's not fun so yeah that's kind of the idea with this and so now I want to talk about the moving scam and this was a pretty big thing that happened in my life um I've moved on enough to talk about it there are some elements in it that I haven't quite processed yet in terms of talking about um there are pretty heavy traumatic things that I haven't gone to therapy yet for which I need to it's just you know I've been busy so you know there's some elements in there that are heavy really heavy so just be aware of that you know it's you know I don't know it's just kind of like what like a trigger warning or whatever they say on TikTok TW oh god that is oh my god (laughs) but like for real I mean and maybe I'm more I'm just like talking to myself I'm like hey Shannon like if you don't share like more than like you want to right now um so just to like paint the broad picture of the timelines of these events so I graduated college in Denver at December 2017 my internship ended February middle of February that next year 2018 And then at the end of the month, I ended my lease at my apartment and left on March 1st. I left on March 1st. I drove from Denver, Colorado to Las Vegas, Nevada, where my aunt lives. I dropped off my cat because she has other cats and she was willing to watch little Mulder for me while I looked for a cat-friendly place because when I landed in Los Angeles, I just took any where (laughs) like that would take me because I didn't have a job I didn't know anybody there and so I kind of just you know winged it like for real and I ended up living with a crazy Brazilian man okay that is just like the weirdest sentence and I think that you should expect nothing less from me and my life yes a crazy Brazilian man who told me he was a journalist (laughs) And I found out that was a lie. Um, when I first met him, he introduced himself and said, you know, oh, I work from home. I'm a journalist. And I was like, oh, my God, me too. And the look on his face was really concerning because it was really like blank. Um, and I did later find out that, yeah, he wasn't an actual. Jur- I mean, he didn't come out and say it. Well, no, I actually did find out like online. He actually taught. Portuguese classes online and that's what he was doing in his room on because I could hear him talking in Portuguese so I mean like he could have been a Portuguese journalist you know whatever or Brazilian journalist talking Portuguese whatever but um yeah and he would refer to like oh I have to go meet up with a client okay well in journalism you don't have clients you have editors you have sources that's like it like no one is a client to you as a journalist like that's not and and maybe it was a language barrier maybe he did mean sources and he just didn't know the word but um 
yeah, that guy was not a journalist. <laughs> so I move in with this guy. I get a job at Starbucks like immediately because I'd had barista experience before. And I literally, I was addicted to tall black coffees with the pump pumpkin spice. And when it wasn't pumpkin spice season, I did white mocha. And so, yeah, it was literally just like a tall coffee I drink every day. It was like only $2. So I that's what I told myself, that it wasn't a $6 craft creation. Uh, it was just a black coffee. But yeah, that's what I got like every day. And so I went to the Starbucks near the crazy Brazilian man's house and got a coffee in the drive-thru and asked them, are you guys hiring? And she said, well, like, do you have any experience, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, I've been a barista for like six years at this point or some shit. And I just moved here and whatever. And then I started like pretty much immediately and they were like really weirded out that I had been a journalist. I mean, like I had written for the Denver Post uh, as an intern. So I had bylines with the Denver Post. So that was on my resume. And they were like really weirded out by that. Like, what are you working at Starbucks for? And I was like, well, I just moved here. Like, what are you expecting me to do? I didn't come with a plan. So I didn't come like already hired at like a newspaper, like maybe some other people would do. But I didn't do that. So I'm here at Starbucks. Just, you know. Okay, don't make it weird. I don't want to be here either. <laughs> so I worked there. But anyway, so I'm, I'm like kind of missing the point. We're talking about the moving scam. We're not talking about my career as a journalist, which I actually filmed or recorded that episode a couple days ago, which is why I'm still in it. But anyway, so moved to Los Angeles in 2018. I lived there 2018, 19, and 21. I left 2021 in May. So while I was there, I met a guy at jiu-jitsu. And we ended up moving in together. We got a dog together. It was like the whole nine, right? So we move in together during the pandemic, June 2020. And we lived in Irvine, California, Orange County. Really nice area. He ended up paying all of the rent, which um, kind of probably aided in the breakup because <laughs> I think that that really just threw everything off. I mean, and I told him I can contribute because I'm getting unemployment. He was like, "No, save that." Like, no. Like, and we were planning on buying a house together. Yeah, we were there. We were planning on buying a house together. Um, and what's weird is that. Well, not weird. Well, yeah, it's still, it's weird. Even in context, a week before he broke up with me, we were talking about buying, we were still on it. We had talked about it before that time, but it also got brought up a week before as well. And we were talking about it. And he said, well, what if we got two houses? Oh, God, it hurts me to say that because it's just like, ooh, a flag, Shannon. Can we can just like, but I wasn't thinking about like this guy's going to break up with me because we're talking about buying a house like we're in it together, right? No. So he had mentioned buying two separate houses. Um, and then I asked him when he was breaking up with me why you were talking about buying a house with me two weeks or a week ago and then now you're breaking up with me and he said well I wanted it then I wanted it then seven days ago I wanted it then 
seven days but now seven days later i'm i don't like what that breaks my brain that shit is um uh, like your trust issues oh i I don't have anyone listening has trust issues there you go because what the fuck so what's interesting is when he broke up with me i kind of freaked out but i need to also put in there for context that two weeks before that i withdrawed from benzodiazepines so i was taking a couple milligrams two mil two to three milligrams every day for about two months so so in the in like for that drug that's technically long term anything more than a month on that drug because it's so potent and so addictive it's anything more than a month is long term i didn't know that I was going to withdraw because I didn't think that it was that long because I didn't know much about the drug at the time. I know not a lot now, but then I didn't. So I just stopped taking them because I didn't want to take them anymore because everybody says it lowers lowers your threshold for anxiety. So you get anxious easier when you're taking even just therapeutic doses of, I was on Xanax, so Alprazolam. Even if you're taking therapeutic doses it makes your your anxiety worse when you're not taking like inter I was going through interdose withdrawals and I didn't even know it. I just thought that I was having bad panic attacks. So yeah, looking back, I was suffering interdose withdrawals and I could tell that my boyfriend at the time was also suffering because my anxiety was so bad. And I was just a, probably a fucking annoying person to be around. You know how, how it's like when, like, sometimes your anxiety can get passed on to other people? Um, it's not that, and he didn't even have, like, a history of anxiety. So he wasn't actually, like, getting anxious from it. Or not that I know of. He didn't share it with me how he was actually feeling. But I could just tell that he wasn't happy. I mean, I was thinking, though how can you be happy when the person that you're living with and the person that you love is suffering uh, through that? So I tried to talk to him, but I think that he wanted to be strong for me and not give me his problems. But I really wanted to know what he was feeling because I knew that what what I was going through could never just be contained to myself because we live together. And I didn't want him to feel like he couldn't come to me with how he was feeling because I had a all this mental health issues by myself that he felt like he couldn't come to me and give me an additional burden on that or whatever. So I tried to talk to him. However, he was one of those guys who can't articulate his feelings. And so he just brushed it under the rug. And maybe then I would have saw this breakup coming or we could have talked about it and it would have been less of a dumping than it was because I like to say that a breakup is a little bit, it's something that you see coming. It's something that you guys kind of talk about and have conversations about. A dumping is out of fucking nowhere, you know? And my mom, like, stop saying that you got dumped. I was like, but I did. Like, it's different. Getting dumped is fucking different. And it it just has a different effect on you. And I was, like, really struggling with that. The fact that it just got, it came out of, for me 
came out of nowhere. So I didn't want to be on the alprazolam anymore because I could tell that it was making my anxiety worse. And so I actually came up with a little bit of a taper plan for myself, but it wasn't enough. I had no idea that the taper needed to be a month long. I ended my taper ended up being a month. It was a, f- a half of how long I had actually been on the drug. I mean, if you're taking it for years, some people need to taper for an actual year. Like the percentage of like how long you need your taper to be versus how long you've been on it's crazy. I didn't know that. So, yeah, my taper was pretty much non-existent. I stopped taking them cold turkey on a Friday. And um, my boyfriend was like on like in the PlayStation game, whatever, like talking to his friends online, whatever. And I was like freaking out. And I was like free. I was but to myself. And I like tried to get him like to help me. But but then I was like, no, 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 no. Like I need to I need to go and drive like I need to get out of here. And so then I left, drove down to like San Clemente. And stopped at the gas station, called him and apologized. And that was the start of it. I went home and I had to tell, because I didn't think that he knew. Oh, wait, no, I did actually tell him before I left. I'm going through withdrawals. Um, Yeah, like, I know that's such a heavy thing. Like, that word is so, um, it's just, it's, it's a big one. So, yeah, and it was scary for all for us and I was really worried I was gonna have a seizure and he kept on telling me you're not gonna have a seizure you're not gonna have a seizure and I was like you don't know (laughs) like what like I later found out that I was very much at risk for having a seizure um it was a lot longer the window for having a seizure was a lot longer than I thought it was I thought it was a few days turns out it was a few weeks after you stop cold turkey so Uh, Luckily, I dosed back up. So I went through withdrawals for four days straight and I didn't make it to the other side. I was really, really, really hoping and wishing and planning on making it to the other side. Cold turkey after those four days that they would be I would start feeling better, Um, but I didn't. And I was scared and I wasn't eating at all. I didn't eat for those four days. I was barely sleeping, and when I did sleep, I would wake up in a cold sweat, panicking. Um, I was, I, it felt like my brain was trying to crawl out of my skull. I was pacing. I was, like, weak. I was pale. I was shaking. Um, I was scared. I was really, really, really scared. I would go literally back and forth between I want to die, make this end, I can't do this anymore, one moment, and then the next moment, I would be like, oh my god, I'm going to die, I am so scared, I don't want to die, but oh my god, it was so bad, like, anything that, I mean, you can go on Earwood, or fucking any messaging board, whatever, and read people's experiences with withdrawing from benzodiazepines, and it's terrible. Like, it's one of the worst drugs to withdraw from. Opiates are easier to withdraw from and safer. Um, Non-benzos, so, like, well, actually, those are actually, like, just as, like, um, 
this Ambien. Ambien is a non-benzo, so it chemically is completely different from benzodiazepines, but it reacts in your brain the same way, which is actually very interesting. And I learned that through this process. But anyway, so yeah, it's one of the worst drugs to withdraw from. You can die from it, just like you can alcohol. It actually, alcohol and benzodiazepines react in your brain the same way. They fill your brain with GABA, which is the relaxing brain chemical. And then your body creates glutamate, which is the freak out chemical to balance your brain chemicals. And then when you take away the drug that is giving you all this gamma, you or um, GABA, you uh, have too much glutamate. And that is how you have a seizure. <laughs> so yeah, I was really lucky is what my doctor told me after. I was really lucky. And yeah, I looking back, it freaks me out to think about that and think about what could have happened and, and how reckless I was with my body and how much hell I went through for kind of nothing because I should have just tapered and I just didn't know. You know, my doctor didn't tell me. And so I ended up calling him and he said, dose back up to where you feel comfortable. I think I dose backed up to one milligram, um, which, by the way, is like kind of a lot. Uh, for benzos, especially alprazolam. So alprazolam is different from Valium, which is different from Klonopin. They're all the same drug, but they have different half-lives. So alprazolam has a shorter half-life. It leaves your body, uh, half of it leaves your body quicker than a lot of the other ones. So you withdraw from it quicker. People who are on them for a long time usually switch over to Valium or Klonopin, which has a, a longer half-life and makes it so you don't withdraw as much. So luckily, I, I, he didn't want to switch me over to that because I wasn't on them for that long and dosed back up to one milligram and it was like a fucking light switch, honestly. Like, I was a completely different person after I took that dose. Um, but that wasn't like, you know, the end of it. That wasn't just, I mean, the journey, like I said, my, my taper was a month. It was three weeks or a month around them where I was on one dose for a week or five days and then I cut it in half or quartered it. Um, and I was really, really, really scared to jump. Like I could have, I went down to a quarter of a milligram and I could have gone down to even smaller. And I did for a couple days, quartered the quarter, but event I just jumped. And um, I didn't think that I had that many rebound side effects I wasn't withdrawing, that's for sure. But looking back on it and even considering how I felt for months after I jumped, I experienced post-acute withdrawal syndrome, which is basically when you have withdrawal symptoms that come and go, that ebb and flow, that wax and wane. And it's never really like on cue like it's never like oh I feel good for a week and then feel bad for a week and then feel good for weeks it's not like that you can feel good for a couple weeks and then you can have a terrible month and all of these symptoms are just awful they're the same ones that you feel like when I was full-on withdrawing just like not a hundred you know at, at 50 percent or 25 percent but it was still incredibly uncomfortable I was having 
insane panic attack. Well, not like as bad as when I withdrawing. Nothing will be as bad as when I'm withdrawing. And that's the only good thing that I have taken from that is my anxiety by itself, not drug induced, will never be as bad as those four days when I was withdrawing. And I survived that. I lived through that. I can live through actually anything, like actually literally anything. If you talk to anybody who has been through benzo withdrawals, it is the seventh circle of hell. And the fact that I went through that and I lived is the only good thing out of it because I do feel so powerful. So I did have crazy anxiety when I jumped, rebound anxiety, and I had post-acute withdrawal syndrome for at least a year, if not a year and a half. And that's completely normal. It takes your brain a long time to rebalance its chemicals and to go back to normal. It does, you know, then there's neuroplasticity and all that science of that. And everybody knows, everybody told me, you will go back to normal. It's just going to take a long time. They told me, they're like, it's going to take at least a year. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. I mean, that is, it's a long time. And so I was experiencing that after I jumped, I jumped in March and I ended up getting broken up with in April, mid-April. So my ability to handle um, extreme stress, extreme emotion was um, very fragile. Uh, my ability to handle that was very, 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 very just not there. Like... Even when you look up the symptoms of uh, post-acute withdrawal syndrome, pause, um, it's it's one of the symptoms. Like it, being able to handle like, extreme stress when you're going through pause is like one of the hardest things because the chemicals in your brain already aren't balanced, and so any rock of the boat feels like a huge, huge wave. I mean, and that's just for little shit. I had my whole life flipped on its head and I was supposed to react reasonably and level-headedly and as an adult and not a four-year-old child. However, my brain was still going through a traumatic event and still picking up the pieces from that traumatic event and still trying to figure out how to be normal again, how to handle things appropriately again. And I could feel it. Like I said before, like my brain felt like it was trying to crawl out of my skull and it was physically painful. My head hurt physically. So... When I got dumped, it was in the morning. You know how like when you're in a relationship and you can kind of tell that they don't want to be with you anymore. They're like sleeping on the very edge of the bed with their back turned. They're like about to fall off. They're trying to get away from you so aggressively. He was doing that. And um, I had anxiety just already from the pause, but like also from normal life 
being very unstable. If I was single, it would be different. But like, I knew that my ex had just gone through something just as traumatic as what I went. No, not just traumatic. Let's not go that far. It wasn't just as traumatic. But I will not discount the fact that what he went through helping me wasn't just traumatic on its own. It was. Absolutely. So I totally understood, you know, that he was going through his own things. I actually tried to drive to Denver to see my friends. And usually when I'm on the road, I feel so good. I feel so free. I don't have any anxiety. I'm not worried at all. And what happened was when I left, just constant anxiety, constant anxiety. I was so uncomfortable. Like my skin felt very fragile. Not, and not like that. I mean, like literally to the touch, touching my arm, it like hurt. Like I, it was the pause, but I just like didn't know it then. So I came back and I was supposed to have been gone for like two weeks or some shit. Like it was just supposed to be like a big trip. And I canceled it and came back because I felt so uncomfortable and I felt so shitty. And he was like disappointed that I came back. So, you know, that was another red flag or not red flag. It was just a flag that like he didn't want to be in this relationship anymore or that he was struggling or, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, coupled with him, the way he was acting and being really cold to me. And you can just tell when somebody wants to break up. But the thing is, is that like he wasn't doing it. And I'm in this prison, like just do it. And so he woke up in the morning one time to go to work and I was really panicking because I really felt like something was wrong and I was trying to talk to him about it and he was really just brushing it off and doing that thing that like, I don't want to be like sexist, but like like men do where they like don't want to talk to you and they're like, oh, everything's fine. And I'm like, no, it's not like you do. I'm not fucking stupid. I live here. I feel things. I can feel things not being okay. Like, come on. And so we were sitting and we were talking and, you know, he was trying to tell me that, no, everything's okay. And I was like, you don't want to be with me. You don't want to be with me. Do you? And he was like, I don't want to be with you anymore. <laughs> and I was like, what? What? No. Wait, what? <laughs> like, I couldn't believe what I just heard, even though I had already known, you know? It's just different when they say it. And um, I wasn't like really in control. It was really weird. I remember I was like sitting on the bed and that had just happened. And I got up and I opened the blinds or closed them, something like that. And then I opened my dresser and then I closed it. And then I walked to the bathroom and then I walked back. I picked up a pair of pants that were sitting on the floor and then I put them on the bed and I was like, what? <laughs> like, what is going on? Like, my brain blue screened. I didn't know what to do with my hands. I was so shocked. And I was floored. Like, I just never have had a breakup, I think, like that. Where I'm like, it doesn't compute. Like, it just doesn't compute. I can't, I don't even know what to do or say or where do I go and like what do I do um man that's sad actually I'm not gonna cry I'm not gonna cry <laughs> but that's like so sad but that happened that's how it happened um and that I I did I freaked out I 
lost it. I, I mean, we fought for a, a while after it, and he was still like, "I'm gonna go to work," and I was like, are you, "Are you kidding me? You are actually that's a joke. You are not going to work. Like, not to be like that girl, but are you kidding? You are not going to work. You are not going. Are you actually?" really gonna do that you are going to break up with me a two-year relationship where we just talked about buying a house and we have a dog together you are going to break up with me at six in the morning and then go to work oh my god (laughs) well how can you do that how can anyone do that to somebody even let alone himself who can go to work after that take a fucking mental health day take a sick day like what the actual so anyway he didn't go to work. <laughs> and yeah, we, we fought for a few hours, even though like, and, and it was never like, I was never trying to get him back because the thing is, is once those words have been said, once you say you don't want to be with me anymore, once the breakup happens, it's not coming back. So I didn't, I'm not like one of those people who beg people to stay because I don't want to be with somebody who doesn't want to be with me. That's the thing. And it's really simple for me. So if you want to leave, there's the door. However, I'm going to be a little terror before you go. So that's what happened. Again, I would like to remind everybody that my brain was not okay. And it's not an excuse. I'm not saying that's an excuse. I'm just saying that these two situations occurred at the same time. And it would be just not accurate for me to say that they didn't have effects on one another. Me going through post-traumatic or or post-acute withdrawal syndrome and me getting dumped out of a two-year relationship that was very serious, they affected each other in a few ways. So it just just has to be that way. And I'm not going to say that because, you know, like, oh, well... I threw the coffee table into the wall because I was going through withdrawals. I'm not saying that. But I did throw the coffee table into the wall. It was my coffee table. I bought it. And I'm not going to lie. It felt really good. It felt really good. And when I threw it into the wall, it stuck in there. It stuck into the wall. I mean, it was just sheetrock. But still, like... I was like, what? (laughs) Coffee table just stuck into the wall. Oh, my God. Okay, so that happened. And then I booked a flight the same day to Fairbanks, to Alaska, where I'm from. And told him, can you please feed and water my cat? And some people gave me a hard time about leaving my cat behind. Here's the thing. My cat doesn't want to come in a cat carrier on a 12-hour journey up to Alaska to live in a house with dogs he doesn't want that and I can trust my ex enough to feed and water my cat so I asked him to do that and he said yes because here's the thing my ex had his family there my ex had his whole ass family 20 minutes away I had nobody and I was the one who got the rug ripped out from under them so I need something like Looking back on it, if I had stayed, I don't know if I would be, 
I don't think I would have killed myself. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I would have done that. But like my mental state was very fragile. It was very fragile at that time. It just would not have been good for me to stay. It would really, really not have been good. And, I, and when I went back up to life, it helped a lot. It helped a fucking lot to be around my family, to be in a slower environment, to be with my the dog I had when I lived up there, to be around my niece. Oh, my God. A little three-year-old girl who has no fucking problems and has no idea what the world is like. That was actually perfect. And I'm so glad that I did that. And it was so smart of me to do. Like, I mean, it sounds ridiculous because I booked a freaking same day ticket from Denver, Colorado to Fairbanks, Alaska that left in a couple hours from when I booked it. And um, I, I didn't cry in the Uber. I really did not want to cry in the Uber, so I didn't. And... I did cry as soon as I got out, though, <laughs> when I got to LAX. As soon as I got out, well, I, I, I went to the, the bathroom. And I, once I had that little kind of semblance of privacy in the stall, I, I fucking lost it. You know, I was just, I was ugly crying. It was bad. But there's a lot of different reasons why people cry at the airport. So it's not that weird, right? Okay. I cried all through security the entire line I cried through security oh my god and then waiting at the gate I was so restless you know still going through like pause still had like struggling through that and struggling with the fact that I was at the fucking airport I called my mom and like it was like the only thing I could say it was like, I can't believe I'm at the airport right now. It's so weird to be here. So weird to be at the airport. I, it's so weird. Like, I can't even, I can't wrap my head around this day. So what's funny is that I was actually, yes, talking to my mom at the gate. And there was this kid, probably my age, actually, sitting next to me. And I heard him go, oh, damn, you's really going through it. <laughs> yeah okay like shit happens at the airport like you run into a bunch of people who are traveling for a bunch of different reasons someone could have died that's actually what i was like telling myself let's just let people think that somebody died because honestly somebody did my two-year-old relationship that i like cared for and helped grow and was fun and and i loved them died so that's what was in my head about that. So I went back up to Alaska, had a good time there, literally, honestly, just laid in bed for two weeks straight watching Vanderpump Rules. Was I there for two weeks? Maybe I was only there for like a week and a half. But it was great. A great time. Uh, but it was great. It was just it's just what I needed. So yeah. And then I was trying to decide what the fuck I wanted to do with my life because I knew I had to leave the apartment in Irvine. Um... And I didn't know where I was going to go. I kind of didn't want to stay in Southern California because I didn't have any friends there. I didn't have a job anymore. And I really missed my friends in Denver at the time. And so I had made the decision while I was there, while I was in Fairbanks. I'm going to move back to Denver. I'm going to be with my friends. I need my fucking friends because I'd actually called one of my friends after my ex went to his parents' house instead of going to work after we got done with our conversation. He went to his parents' house. 
And then I called my mom and told her I just broke a ticket. Well, I had called her before that. I actually called like during the argument and I was like, she broke up with me. Anyway, so um, yeah, I called one of my friends in Denver and and told them and I I was like, you know, thinking to move back. And they were like, do it. Like you have friends here. You have loved ones here. Like, yes, like do it. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I made the decision while I was in Fairbanks and then talked to my mom and, and told her, I was like, can you come down with me? Come back down to Irvine. Help me pack. And make the drive with me to Denver. And she didn't even say yes. She just like, I think she just said like, let's look at tickets. Like, <laughs> like, you know, she was so on board. My mom was so great the entire time with this move. Like, she really understood and really, really, really saw. Really saw the pain that I was in. so she came down (laughs) and what was interesting is that we booked a hotel because you know even though it was my apartment and he had family of house he could stay at with his parents um I didn't know how I was gonna feel in that apartment so I got a hotel we got a hotel and I was anxious the entire time oh my god I was miserable. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I couldn't do anything. I was tense. I was, again, like, pale. I was, like, going through fucking withdrawals again. Like, the um, the stress, the amount of emotion that I had to endure was astronomical. It was off the charts. I could, of course, handle it now, but my brain was different back then. Like, and... I, I, I can't like stress that enough because unless you've been through that and you felt different, I felt so different. I really did not feel like myself. Like my brain was so bad. So I felt like such shit. And like I ended up, um, you know, I, I got one of my cars because I had two cars at the time, actually, that were parked in the parking spot at our hotel or no, not our hotel, the, um, our apartment complex, me and Max's. I got our car, my car. Fuck, what am I saying? So I got one of my cars and drove back to the hotel. And my ex had contacted me that day. And which, by the way, he hadn't contacted me while I was in Fairbanks. He hadn't said shit. And I had asked him that. I was like, did you think about like reaching out? And like, of course, I wasn't going to reach out because I was the one who got dumped. And so I asked him and he was like, yeah, I, I had stuff typed out and I, 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 I wanted to. I just couldn't bring myself to. Okay, whatever that means. So, uh, yeah, got the car, brought it back to the hotel. And then he texts me and he goes, I noticed one of your cars are gone. Like, is that, are you okay? Are you here? And I was like, yeah, it's chill. I, I got it. Like, it's here. I'm not, it's not stolen or anything. I got it. And then apparently he freaked out. Um, cause he was really freaked out that I threw the coffee table in the wall, admittedly. And that's fair because, I'm not going to sit here and fucking bullshit like throwing things and breaking things is a form of abuse and I had never done it in a relationship ever. I will say that I've never done that. I don't know what came over me when I threw the coffee table in the wall. I don't honestly know. Do I regret it? Man, I'm still on the fence about that one. And I know it's wrong. I do. I know it's wrong. But like I said, it felt so good. Like, because here's the thing. I think about him doing something so fucking irrational. 
ending a two-year relationship after your girlfriend just went through benzodiazepine withdrawals and oh like I, I don't want to be dramatic here but I could have had a seizure and I could have died maybe that was far off like maybe that was definitely had it we can't say it had no chance of happening there was a chance and that was freaky that freaked both of us out that there was a chance um so yeah to to break up with somebody who and I I don't know if he knew that even after I jumped for my last dose I still wasn't feeling 100% I still felt kind of like I was going through withdrawals just a, a little lighter I was on fucking light mode of withdrawals so I don't know if he if he knew I felt that way um but yeah he was freaked out that I had done the property damage so he had actually taken all of his most of his stuff out of the apartment and I guess brought it over to his parents house or whatever and so when I went while he was at work to start packing my stuff I went in there and I was so confused because I didn't know that he had freaked out about the property damage and he was taking his stuff. Um, I literally thought he was moving out. <laughs> so, you know, I, I messaged him like while I was there because he was at work while I was packing. And I, and I said, are you moving out? Like none of your stuff is here. And he goes, oh, yeah, I just moved it for, for a minute, a, a second, like just temporarily. I was like, oh, OK. And I like still didn't get it. Um so, you know, I start packing and, and, um, my dog wasn't there either, which I thought was strange because if he was just going to work, why wasn't the dog there? And so I was like, something's off. I told my mom, I said, I think maybe German's not at work today. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So I ended up, I started packing and I realized that I felt really comfortable in that apartment. I didn't feel st- stressed or anxious anymore. I felt better. And I told him that I said, I was, I'm, you know, we got a hotel and I was feeling really anxious there and like shit and like terror, just terrible. I was wondering if you could maybe stay at your parents' place for a few days while I pack and me and my mom can stay here. We can save money on the hotel. I can start feeling better because, you know, the way I feel here, it's just so much better than the hotel. I was wondering if you could do that for me. And he made a big fucking stink about it he was like i live there and like (laughs) and i was like but do you like none of your stuff is here i was really you know i was so confused like i really thought he wasn't even living there so me asking you know if i could stay there while my mom was in town and while i could just so i could pack i thought was just the easiest thing to do right he's not even living there and he was like no no no, i live there (laughs) and um yeah, and, and I was like, where's Poncho? Like, where's our dog? And he was like, he's staying at my parents' place today because I'm at Disneyland. Okay. <laughs> okay, you can't make that. He, you, you can't make that up, you guys. He was, he was at he went to Disneyland. He was at Disneyland, you guys. He went there. Oh, fucking Christ, dude. He was at Disneyland while I was packing up my shit and, like, sobbing. Okay. Okay. He was just trying to have a good time. <laughs> he was just trying to distract himself. Oh, my God. 
Oh my god, that is one of my favorite parts of the story. Anyway, so yeah, that came out and I, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, so I continued packing and, you know, I was like, oh my god. And I was listing my cars because I had to sell both my cars and, um, you know, who's giving me a big fucking stink about you kicking me out of my place? I don't even have clean underwear and, like at my parents' house and like blah, blah, blah. My, both me and my mom were like looking at each other like, go to Target get a fucking pack of underwear for $4. Like, I don't understand like how this is a big deal because the thing is, is like this whole situation was caused by you. Well, first off, second off, I'm the one who has to leave. I'm the one who's like getting kicked out of the apartment. I know I'm not going to pay rent, but like he said that it was fine. And like, it was still like our couple, our, like a relationship that we were in. We had a dog together. Like I was losing a lot. I lost everything. My entire future, what I thought my future was going to be, was zapped into oblivion right in front of me in two seconds. And it was something that I had to accept. I literally, when I was in Fairbanks, I bought the book, The Power of Now, by Eckhart Tolle. Tolle? Tolle? Eckhart Tolle. And it helped a lot. Um, They, you know, he said, go into every situation as if you chose it. You know, um, it it helped a lot because the thing was, is I had to accept a lot. I had a lot of acceptance to handle because that was the only way. That was the only way on the other side of the situation. That was the only way I could get past the situation was just to accept the fact that this is happening. This is what my life is and this is just how it is and I have no control over it and that's just the way it is. So I was trying to be reasonable as much as I could. So, but, but as I was saying before is, you know, he ended this relationship on kind of what I thought was very rash decision. So the thing was that he's allowed to be unreasonable and irrational on an emotional level, play around with this relationship, people's hearts and shit. But the second that I am outwardly irrational and unreasonable no 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 that's not okay so you can fuck around with other people's lives tell them that you want to buy a house with them and then a week later say psych actually get the fuck out that none of this is happening anymore goodbye that's okay no of course it's not okay but it's definitely more accepted me throwing the coffee table to the wall, everyone will, everyone and the next person will tell me that, that was the wrong fucking thing to do. And yeah, it was. But what he did was wrong too. And I just want to say that. So going back, he was flipping out that he, I was kicking him out or whatever. And I was pretty much just like, oh, well, <laughs> like I am here. I'm here. I live here. My stuff's here. My cat's here. My mom's here. Oh, well. And so, you know, he had a few fucking things that, you know, he had the underwear and then like he was like, oh, I need my work boots because he didn't have his work boots. Oh, that was another thing. I literally walked in the door. He didn't see Poncho, saw his work boots there. I was like, where the fuck is he? He's not at work. Anyway, he was just an end. So, um, yeah. And he was like, I need my work boots. And then like also there's like some food in the fridge. And I was just thinking to myself, like, you're eating? Who's eating? During a breakup. I don't know if I can eat it. I haven't eaten in like a month. Like, <laughs> like three weeks or like however long it's been. So 
he didn't feel comfortable coming to the apartment to get his boots. And also, he was at Disneyland until like 10 or 11, you know, whenever the fuck they have the ending fireworks. He stayed for the fucking fireworks. <laughs> so he sent to his friends, two of his friends to come get his boots. If you listened to the dating episode, we know how I feel and how they feel about me. Anyway, it was no problem. So he calls me, wakes me up from asleep. My mom was sleeping in the bedroom in my bed. Um, and I was sleeping on the couch. And he knows. I mean, we live together. I go to bed at like 10 most most days. And I had taken a bunch of hydroxyzine, you know. It was like the pretty much the um, prescription Benadryl for anxiety. I taken a shit ton of Benadryl. Like Benadryl. So I was out um by 10 probably and, and they showed up at like 11 like 11 30 or some shit like fucking late um i wake up to a knock on the door and it scared the fuck out of me like i was startled as shit so i get up i look through the people i see it's them i grab their his work boots i open the door they look like terrified they're in my face looking like they just saw a ghost <laughs> me and um yeah i open the door i have the boots in my hand i say hi how are you and i put the boots on the ground because i didn't even want to fuck with like handing them to them and then i shut the door and go back to bed but yeah that's startling i even told him later i was like you got like you had your friends come at 11 30 at night because you know what time i go to bed one and i didn't see any of his text messages because i was sleeping so the next you know thing was the knocks at the door and so you decided to stay until at disneyland until the fireworks at the end and sure yeah get your money's worth stay as long as humanly possible or whatever but you know that you have to go get your boots from your ex-girlfriend Who's saying, and you're just going to go at any old time. Shit, why don't you come at two in the morning? Why didn't you get a drink? I'm not going to go there. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> so, gave him his boots. I ended up selling my car for about $1,000 less than I could have. Because once he came, once he accepted, <laughs> and so this is actually another thing that I told him. Because he was putting, a, he was pitching such a fit about me staying at, you know, the apartment. I told him you know what? You're just going to have to accept that this is how it is right now. I've had to accept a lot. You can accept this. So I had that conversation with him. And then, you know, all this over text message and we're being so mean to each other. Like, and I know that that's like kind of sort of common with exes or whatever, but like that was never us. Like we were never really that mean to each other when we were fighting or disagreeing or anything like that those text messages we sent each other were so abrasive and like just sometimes kind of cruel I tried not to be cruel and I remember I only sent sent two petty text messages I gave myself two okay I allowed myself two petty text messages I could have done a lot more but I refrained but he sometimes it just seemed like you who are you talking to? Why are you talking to me like that? It was insane. So 
we were having these nuts fucking text exchanges and I'm packing, you know, all day and shit and, you know, sold my car for a thousand dollars less than what I could have gotten because he told me, he said, I need to move my stuff out. If you're going to, if you, he, he came around, he was like, okay, you guys can stay at the apartment. I'll let you, um, but I need to move all my stuff out. It's going to be Friday and it's going to be like 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. or some shit like that. And I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? We're going to go to the movies and see like five movies. Like, oh, my God. So I didn't want to deal with it. I told my mom we're leaving before Friday. I, I think it was Monday or Tuesday at that point. And really what I was waiting on were to sell my cars. Um, so I did. I took a fucking pay cut for my cars and sold them for a thousand dollars less because I needed to get out of there before Friday. And I told him that. So what happened was I told him I'm leaving tomorrow. If you want to come and have a last conversation, you can do like we can do that. I think our relationship deserves that, but it's up to you. And he said, okay, but I'm bringing a friend. And I was like, okay, like whatever. And we meet down in the parking garage. And his friend is literally standing like right next to us. It's like a three-person conversation. And I'm like, no, we're not doing this. Like, and, and he was like, Jake has been there with for me for, uh, for the entire time. And I was like, well, shit, so is my mom, but she's not fucking down here. Like, come on. Like, what are you talking? I'm not going to fucking have this conversation with Jake. Oh, my God. So we move a few feet over literally like 10 feet i look over jake's like on his phone so fucking awkward anyway so we have this conversation and it's like obviously pretty emotional um it was a pretty all right conversation there are a few things that i wish that i touched on that i didn't think about until later but you know we ended it had that last conversation i went up stairs took a shower was just so emotionally raw didn't really sleep a lot that night woke up and sobbed in the kitchen making my mom's coffee and my mom goes Shannon are you sure you want to do this and I said I have to there's no choice we don't trust each other anymore and that's what I was saying you know like when somebody breaks up with you there's no going back like you're not going to bang them to say even if they change their mind I wouldn't take somebody back it's just broken you can't come back from that so so yeah I, I have to I have to go. And, you know, we were originally going to rent a U-Haul and pack all my shit into it. And when that time came to, we hadn't actually gotten the U-Haul yet. And when the time came to physically move the boxes out, I couldn't do it. I could not make myself pick up a box of my stuff. And carry it out of the apartment. I couldn't do it. I don't know how to explain it. It's never happened to me before where, you know, I felt that physically paralyzed by something. But I just couldn't do it. And I almost threw up. And I don't throw up. I'm, I'm actually emetophobic, if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm deathly afraid of vomiting. It's not my thing. I hate it with a passion. And so I sprayed a bunch of kava into my mouth and like chewed up a bunch of those prescription Benadryl for anxiety and just paced. My mom was in the shower. And when she got out, I told her, I said, I can't do this. Um, I want to see about 
hiring movers and then we can just go to Hertz and rent a car and drive to Denver because I cannot physically move my stuff out of this apartment. And she said, okay, which was so great. Like I said, my mom has been the MVP of this entire journey. And we went to Hertz down the street. I got all my shit, you know, I'd, I'd literally been living out of a suitcase until then anyway. So packed up all the stuff that I needed to bring. I actually forgot a few stuff. Like I should have brought with me like birth certificate, my social security card, because it was all in like a banker's box that I was using, you know, for filing. That was my way I filed stuff. And I really should have brought that with me, but you know, I said it's twenty twenty. So I got all of my shit, got my cat, ordered an Uber. Didn't even call the Hertz first, <laughs> like just showed up. And still, I'm very emotionally raw. I'm anxious as fuck. I'm stressed. I've been sobbing all morning. And I feel like I'm going to barf. So we stroll into Hertz. And pretty much my mom is like, what do you have? We'll take whatever you have. That type of vibe. Like that. We did that. And the lady obviously is a little concerned. And she's like, well, uh we don't really have anything. I mean, somebody just turned in a RAV4, but it has to be cleaned. And, and we were like, we, we can wait. How long does it take? 20 minutes? We can wait. We're good. Go clean it. <laughs> and so she was like, okay. And and um, and she was like adding up the numbers on how long we're going to have it, where we're taking it, and what, what's it going to be. And my mom is just like, do you take a MasterCard? <laughs> like, like, yeah, like this is, it's like a movie. People don't do this. Um, but I did. Me and my mom did. And, you know, we. and what's weird is that, like, I'd wanted a RAV4 for a very long time. It was a new one. It was 2019, so it was a hybrid. And obviously I was the one who was driving because my mom can't drive in the lower 48 traffic, you know. And um, I got to drive it. And it's one of those things you think about, you know, the little the little things, the little nuggets of good that have happened in this terrible, gut-wrenching, heartbreaking situation is, that's one of the things I can take out of it. I got to drive a RAV4, which I was obsessed with. I still am. I still love them. But, you know, out of all of the cars that you can rent, you know, it was the only one they had and it was a RAV and it was fun. And like, I just have to tell myself that, you know, out of all of the things, I got to drive a RAV and I got to eat a Cracker Barrel. I never had eaten a Cracker Barrel. My mom also loved Cracker Barrel. There wasn't one in Fairbanks. So, and, and I was actually going to go with my boyfriend, but we never made it. And I was like, fuck it. We're going to go on this road trip. We're going to eat a Cracker Barrel. And uh, it was awesome. So, well, it wasn't awesome, but um, <laughs> um yeah, she cleaned the car, got in the RAV4, uh, started driving, and I started feeling better um, because driving really soothes me. It really helps my stress. Like it, I just love driving. Like anyone who knows me, it's just my thing. Like I just, everything is driving. I drive for work. I drive, I watch sports. I keep up with Formula One now. Um, oh, and I watched Baby Driver the other day. Like I'm into it. So yeah, I love driving. It really helps calm my anxiety. So started driving out of Southern California and it, I started feeling better. Um, the thing is, is that in a rental, you know, 
sometimes you can't plug your phone up to play your own music, so you have to rely on the radio, and sometimes the presets are kind of fucked up, so you only get one station, and that's what was happening. Well, they got one station. And what happens when we're still in, we're on like the outskirts of Orange County. I think we're probably uh, maybe entering like the Inland Empire, maybe like San Bernardino, I don't know, Um, because we're going to Vegas. That was the next stop. My aunt lives there. It just made sense. So we're going there, still in Southern California, and um, Adele comes on the radio, (laughs) and it's Hello. You know, it could have been any one of her other songs, but they played Hello. They play Hello came on for me. You know, I don't know if anyone is familiar with the lyrics of that song, but one of the lyrics is, um, "I'm in California dreaming about who we used to be." Oh my god! <laughs> I started crying. Um, I hadn't, I wasn't crying before that and I started crying and I really tried to stifle my tears like to, so I felt so ridiculous and you know, I was trying to hide it from my mom because I was like embarrassed, <laughs> but I couldn't hide it and I started crying and, and I would, I just, I was just like, this is a sad song <laughs> and my mom was like, yep, it is. <laughs> God. Oh my god. It's just it's one of those things. It's so it's so sad. It's funny. And later on, you know, I told my friends that when I got to Denver and then it happened again. We're like Adele came on like the shuffle. We were listening to her through our phones. My friend goes, it wasn't hello, it was a, a different one of her songs and me and my friend goes, "Is it okay if I listen to this?" I I really want to. And and I was like, "Yeah, it's fine, dude." Like it was just a fucking one moment, god damn it. Like <laughs> So, yeah, that happened and um, made it to Las Vegas. And all the while, I'm calling moving companies because, you know, I need to find somebody to move all my shit out because it's all over the apartment. Oh, my God. My fucking ex had a field day with that shit. He was like, boxes all over the place. I can't live like this. (laughs) Bro, like, would anything be okay with you? Like anything, like nothing, like he wanted me to teleport out of there. He wanted me to freaking just be gone in the middle of the night. I'm sorry, but but that's not going to happen. I had all my shit there. I had to sell two cars. I had to get a cat out of there. I had to move my mom out of there. Like I had to figure out how to do with my mattress, which was a very expensive mattress that I'm not going to leave behind. I had to, there are a lot of moving parts, a lot of logistics to moving out of the state, bud, on short notice. So fuck, give me a break. And also I'm dealing with all this emotional shit. And it was just kind of like, dude, you are still living there. You have your family, you have your job, you have your friends, you have all the same shit. You are so, it's so much easier for you to just mellow out and freaking take a pill. And I kept telling him that shit, you know, where it's just like, dude, go to work and like shut the fuck up like go get boba with your friends and fucking fuck off like I'm busy like I'm sorry I'm trying to do this as fast and as efficiently as possible but like I can't be perfect and I can't do it perfectly all in one night like I give me a break Jesus and so that was like the gist of it that's what I was saying I was like we're being fucking mean to each other like we're 
not really I tried I did I tried to take his side into account what he could be feeling how he could be feeling it's not easy for him either I get that I do I tried but also I have some stuff to do so yeah made it to trying to do the logistics on that and um we're already at an hour and 10 minutes so I don't want to make this more than an hour and 15 or whatever so I'm gonna wrap it up um, and we're going to have to go to part two. Didn't even get into the moving scan, but I assure you that next week it will be the next part and it will start off with the beginnings of the moving scam. And it just gets crazier from there, unfortunately for me, but fortunately for you guys, it's a lot crazier. Um, but after this one, I want to do batch recording. So I'm going to have to stop talking about what my next episode is going to be about. Um, so yeah, I'm going to have to find a different way to end it because I uh, sometimes, you know, I think that I feel like I want to talk about something, but then I end up not wanting to talk about it. You know how it is. So anyway, but next week, since it's going to be a part two, I've got to finish the story and I will. So yes, next week we will get into the moving scam. We're ending at the fact that uh, me and my mom just got to Vegas. We're staying at my aunt's house, which is my mom's sister. We're in the RAV. We have my cat. Haven't eaten a Cracker Barrel yet, but we will. And um, I'm calling, you know, trying to get moving places set up. And, of course, my ex is pitching a fit. So that's where we're leaving off. And I will see you next week.